All right, I want to dive into our teaching this morning. This is our last message in the Jesus Talks Sex series. And I just want to say thanks to all of you for being patient while we've talked about sex for five or six weeks. And uh, this is it. We're, we're done after today. And uh, I, I'm glad to be done. But it's been good. And I want you to know that uh, we've had, I've had some significant conversations with people that have made decisions to change things in their lives. Jesus is healing people, and this has been well worthwhile to talk about this stuff. So thank you for being here uh, for these messages. If you've missed any of our messages, they're available on podcast, and uh, we've talked a lot about a lot of things. You're welcome to go back and listen to the messages that you've missed. Uh, we've talked about the fact that Jesus didn't relax the moral code, but he raised the bar. We've talked about uh, what sexual immorality is, what it means. We've talked about sex and idolatry. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, we talked about love and the necessity of really knowing agape love because that'll make all the difference. Sexual love isn't enough. Friendship love isn't enough. We've got to know how to agape love one another. These are the topics that we've covered. And today we want to wrap this up by talking about sex and transformation. And to kick us off today, I've asked Cameron Robinson to come and share with us a little bit. So Cameron, would you join me up on the stage? And uh, I've known Cameron, I think, for about three years. Thank you. Give him a hand. They're not clapping very enthusiastically. So That's all right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so Cameron, um, thank you for for agreeing to share your story with us a little bit, and um, I know this is a little bit awkward, but I, I really think that your story can help a lot of other people uh, make some decisions for themselves. Um, tell us a little bit about when you became a follower of Jesus Christ and how that how that came about in your life. Well, like a lot of people, uh, I grew up in a Catholic family, uh, went to church every Sunday, but that was pretty much it. Uh, it was kind of just a ritual for us more than actually having a relationship with God. And uh, probably in my teens, I had a lot of traumatic stuff happen. I lost my father when I was about that age, and I really um, got angry with God and um, just stopped going to church, stopped even trying, and uh, I had a a lot of pain, a lot of anger, and did a lot of things that caused me to hurt myself and others around me and basically one day I will never forget it my sister and I who were very very close um, I started to tell her about kind of what I thought about the world and people and my life goals and everything and uh, she looked up at me with tears in her eyes and like I was just a monster and she said I don't know who you are you're not the brother that I grew up with and it just hit me like a ton of bricks and I knew that I needed something to change. I had been doing drugs, alcohol, um, sexual activity that just left me wanting and not finding any kind of relationship that would fill that hole. And uh, so I started coming back to church and it um, didn't go back to the church that I originally started. I'm I'm from Bozeman, so I didn't really go back to the same one, but uh, I had recently started a new job a couple months prior, and my team lead and coworker is Chris. And, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I wouldn't want her to be my boss. 
Oh, wait, she well, is my say, boss. We have a lot in common. <laughs> we have a lot in common. Um, but she never formally invited me. It was just kind of offhand. Hey, my, this is what my husband does. This is what we do you know, with our lives. And so I just decided to come. And uh, it wasn't an immediate kind of the skies opened up and I had a big epiphany of what I was doing with my life, but it was kind of just a slow transformation. It's been great. Yeah. And so over time, you really made up your mind. You're going to really follow Jesus with your whole heart. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this is the big awkward question. I know it's, it's difficult, uh, but this is our topic. And I just wanted you to describe for, for people a little bit what your, uh, what your thoughts and what your behaviors were sexually before you really made a firm commitment to Christ. How would you describe that? Well, I think, unfortunately, it's like a lot of people and a lot of young men and women in their teens, you know, in high school. It becomes nowadays almost a standard that you should be sexually active, which is just not the way that it really should be. And for me, all of my friends that either had been sexually active or, you know, were, that was kind of the thing back then. And I actually started becoming sexually active when I was, I think, about 15 years old, which was way, way too young. For and if there's any 15-year-olds or around that age out there, it's, you seem like you're grown up, and I'm not that old, but, you know, I'm 27 uh, on Tuesday, and looking back on it now, that's, it's just way too young. You're just a kid still, you know? And looking and back, you would say you regret those decisions? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, it was just kind of a thing, and it left me... I didn't... Luckily, I didn't have any unfortunate events. I never, you know, was had any disease or pregnancies that came about or any of those major, major life consequences that can actually... Um, affect people for mm-hmm. the rest of their lives mm-hmm. and I feel very lucky for that but and I didn't have a lot of partners but it was more um, I had girlfriends that were for a long time and it was kind of that was the expected thing out of both of us I think kind of a uh, and in, social uh, norm yeah and in looking back did that make your relationships kind of dysfunctional absolutely yeah, uh, and, and why is that I, I mean, obviously, I went in and out of relationships for many, many years, and uh, one of the big reasons was is we were attracted to each other physically immediately, and then we started dating, and um, we really didn't have much in common most of the time other than we were attracted to each other, and I firmly believe that God created um, sex, there's a strong, strong emotional bond that he creates with us, even if it's not the person you're meant to be with. And um, that that connection was literally the only thing most of the time that was still keeping us together. It was, we almost couldn't stand each other's company. I would be in relationships that were never physically abusive, but they would even, some of them of which were even um, emotionally, verbally abusive, and I would stay in these relationships for this small thread of commonality that we Sexuality. Had, absolutely. Yeah. That was there, and then it would just end ugly, because it yeah. would just draw out, you know, and um, 
and never really you never really get to know that person before you share those kinds of things and it never never worked out well so uh you started coming to connect Mm -hmm. and just before you came to connect you had met ruthie that's right and uh and things are very different between the two of you absolutely so i didn't actually i met ruth at the hospital um she was the cute cafeteria girl and tried asking her out. And this was kind of that transitional point between me going to church and I was still struggling with a lot of my past. And uh, I had a lot to deal with on my own before I even tried to ask her out. But I did uh, three times and she said no quite a bit, <laughs> <laughs> which is great i was just persistent and yeah. uh, she finally said yes but it was kind of a god thing too is uh, when i started coming to connect ruth was in the front row and i had no idea that she was even coming to connect and uh you know she duck out the back door so she didn't have to that's because she was the she was the cute cafeteria girl and you were the creepy pathology guy <laughs> absolutely yeah it kind of makes sense yeah yeah it makes sense so um And then, yeah, we just started dating, and I was really scared at first because um, Ruth is just amazing in her faith and her commitment, and it's it's really been, it's what's helped me so much, but initially I knew that was kind of the standard she held herself to, and it really, really made me nervous because I really liked her, and my past history, all I knew was the sexual part came with being in a relationship. So I was terrified about it. And it almost caused us to break up on multiple occasions. I don't know if we were quite that far, but I would really up- upset her greatly by my actions and my expectations. And, uh, it really and she me. had made up her mind long before you. Absolutely. That she was waiting for marriage. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and what a great girl. You're a lucky boy. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, so with Ruth being so strong and her commitment and really me being able to realize that's what God had intended for us to do, um, it just kind of set the goal. It set the standard that that's, that's what's going to happen. Um, and I wasn't in... a huge hurry to get married or anything like that but it you know I wanted to make sure that it worked out and I started to know Ruth better than I've know anybody and we didn't let that sexual behavior get in our way it was about being friends and enjoying the things that we like to do and it really strengthen our relationship so you've got a solid relationship i, I, I feel like we that do. isn't based upon sex yeah absolutely it's so good it's so healthy yeah this week you got engaged yes so that's awesome and the two of you are gonna wait until marriage yes yep absolutely. so uh so of course ruthie is very strong how are you keeping yourself strong well the toughest i'd have to say by far the number one thing on my list for sinful acts, sinful like desire is lust. It's that, um, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. It's just really, it's no other way to put it. Yeah. And so it's the hardest thing that I've ever had to do is to set that stuff aside. Um, it, 
I'm not perfect sitting here in front of you. I struggle with it almost on a daily basis. And I've learned to um, talk with Ruth, talk with God, most importantly. And he's been just so faithful and so constant in being able to relieve that desire. Um, anytime that I have it, I really try and spend either time in the Word. If I don't have a Bible, I try and pray. Um, and yeah. there's one particular prayer you say over and over. Yeah, well, it's kind of, like I was saying before, it's kind of almost like a mantra or whatever you want to call it. Um, just something really quick to remind me, and it's, um, God, your will is my will. And I just say that whenever I'm having those kind of issues. And uh-huh. it just being with him for even just a minute really soothes me. It, he takes away those desires, and I really f- focus on his love and his will and what he has intended for me. Great, great. Cam, thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing with us. Would you give him a hand? So uh, I, I would imagine that many of you here today can relate to Cameron. And uh, you might be listening to him today and, and you might be saying to yourself, I don't think that I could do that. I don't think that I could say no to my sexual urges. I don't, I don't think I could walk away from my sexual habits. And you may even feel that you're stuck in some pattern of behavior. And the ideal uh, of, of waiting for marriage or not... Uh, looking at pornography or whatever your particular issue is when it comes to your sexuality, you may feel like you're just stuck in a pattern. And the big question we want to ask today is, how do I get unstuck? How do I get unstuck? And so today I, I want to share some things with you from the Bible that I hope are going to help you break through that place of being stuck in a pattern of behavior that you regret or that you know doesn't please God or whatever it is for you. I want to help you get unstuck. We're going to end today with a powerful time of prayer. And uh, if you need a breakthrough, I hope that you will uh, open yourself up to experiencing the, the healing and the transformation of Jesus today. So I want to start today in the book of John with a story from Jesus's life that is the same story that we started this series with. If you were with us on the very first Sunday of this series, you'll remember that we started with the story of the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. It's in John chapter 7 and John chapter 8. It kind of bridges those two chapters. And uh, I'm not going to read it to you today, but I just want to ask you the question today, can you imagine what it would be like if you were that person who was caught in the act of whatever it is that your secret sin is? What if somebody became aware that you had a secret, especially if it was some sort of sexual behavior, and it was a secret and somebody in your church maybe a pastor or a deacon or a small group leader had begun spying on you and they became aware of what you were doing and they decided to turn you in. Imagine what it must have been like if if they broke into the house and they caught you in the act of doing that one thing. And they hastily took you out of your house and they, they drove you down the street. You didn't know where they were taking you, but next thing you knew, you were standing in a crowd of people and they were pushing you through the crowd, and you, you found yourself staring into the face of 
Jesus. Can you imagine how you would feel? And the people that had grabbed you and took you there, they shouted to Jesus, this person was caught in the act of, and then they said the word. Can you imagine the shame? If it were me, I I think my eyes would fall to the ground, and I would immediately have been saying, "I, I can't believe they're outing me in front of all these people. I can't believe that they said that word to Jesus. I I can't believe that they're shaming me in front of Jesus and all of these people. And if you were this person in this story, what would have happened was Jesus would have stooped down and he would begin writing in the dust. And I would imagine that you would be standing there just probably with your eyes closed, not even wanting to see anything that was going around. The humiliation would be so great. And Jesus would stand back up and he would address the crowd while you were standing there in shame and he would say, maybe the person among you that has never sinned would like to cast the first stone. And you're listening and you kind of peek your eyes open and you become aware that somebody over here has turned and they're walking away. And then somebody over on this side of the crowd has turned and walked away and one by one by one, every person walks away, leaving just you and Jesus. And by now, your curiosity has gotten the best of you and you're looking up and you're staring into the eyes of Jesus. And he says to you, friend, where, where did they all go? Is, is there no one here to condemn you? You don't know what to say. You don't know what the right answer is. It's just awkward. And finally you say, there's no one here. There's there's no one here to condemn me. And Jesus would say to you, I don't condemn you either. Now go and stop sinning. What, What do you think God wants us to know from this story? We We pulled this story apart a few weeks ago, but uh, as we revisit this story, what does God want us to know today? The biggest thing that I think God wants us to know from this story is this, that Jesus doesn't condemn you. Whatever it is that you are struggling with, but in particular in this context, whatever you're struggling with with your sexuality, Jesus doesn't condemn you. Romans 8.1 is a great verse that we studied a few months ago, and it says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and I just think it would be good if we all read that verse out loud. It's up on the screen. Would you read it with me? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when we studied this passage a few months ago, there were two things I shared with you about condemnation and conviction. And these are in your notes in case you don't remember. The first thing we talked about was that condemnation causes us to turn away from God in fear and shame. Condemnation makes people run. Which is why Jesus said to this woman caught in adultery, I don't condemn you either. But there's another thing that happens in our relationship with God It's a word that starts with C. It's the word conviction. Conviction is different. 
Conviction causes us to come to God to confess and to repent, which gives us hope because if we know that we can come to God and confess our sin and repent of our sin and we can find forgiveness and grace instead of condemnation, then we can come to him freely. Jesus doesn't condemn you. But Jesus didn't stop there. When he looked at this woman caught in adultery, he said, I don't condemn you. But he said, now go and stop sinning. And, and I just want to ask you a question today, and I, wanna, I want you to raise your hands if you would. How many of you think that woman went away from Jesus and stopped sinning? Okay, some of you maybe don't know. Lots of us raise our hands. Those of you that raise your hands, why do you think she stopped sinning? What do you think motivated her to stop sinning? Anybody, just shout it out. God's forgiveness motivated her to stop sinning. What else? Love. Love stopped her from sinning. Sure. Anything else? He touched her. He encouraged her. She had this great motivation to stop sinning. Well, uh, she was probably stuck, don't you think? And, and, and if she was able to stop sinning, the reality is she got unstuck. And if you're stuck today, I want you to know that there is a way that we can get unstuck. There is a way we can stop sinning. But uh, it's probably not that easy. And if you've ever asked the question, how do I stop sinning? You've probably figured out it's not really as simple as it sounds. Uh, Dr. Spencer? Uh, yes, come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yes, yeah. yes, that's me. Should I lay down? Oh, no, no, no. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have to. And, uh, and let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I am. Um, I charge five dollars for the for the first five minutes, and and then absolutely nothing after that. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now uh, <laughs> we don't do any insurance bill, so you would either have to pay in, in cash or by check. <laughs> wow. Okay. And I, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> go. <laughs> go. Well, tell Why? me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive in a begin to pack. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic? Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, 
I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. So I uh, write them down? Well, if, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, you're there. Now, when it comes to our sexual behavior, especially if you've gotten to that place where some of your behaviors are compulsive and, and, and you just feel like you're out of control, have you figured out it's not as simple as stop it? It's just not that simple, right? And, and, and this is why it's so important that you hear this next section I'm going to share with you today. Because if you can't just stop it, you need help. You need help. And you need help that is more powerful than going to a therapist. You need significant spiritual power, and the power is found in the Holy Spirit. Let me take you to Romans chapter 8 again, verse 11. This is what we read. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. 
you're having a difficult time getting unstuck, if you're having a difficult time stopping that behavior, what it, whatever it is, you need to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. I can't overemphasize the importance of this verse. What this tells us is that the Holy Spirit that lives in you is the same spirit that had enough power to raise Jesus from the dead. That's not a little bit of power. That's a huge amount of power. And that word in this verse, the word dwells, if you look it up in the Greek language, what you find is that that word means he cohabits with you. So you're not just a body. You're not just an organism that evolved from a monkey. You're a human being that is filled with the Holy Spirit of God if, if, if you've received Jesus. His spirit lives in you. You have a human spirit, yes, but you are cohabited by God's Holy Spirit. And that spirit gives you so much power that you can turn and walk away from temptation of any kind. But as difficult as it is to say no to sexual temptation, the Holy Spirit of God will give you the power to get unstuck. But you have to come to him. You have to say, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to learn how to uh, make that power work within me. Like Cameron was, was sharing with us, he prays all the time. He even has a prayer that he repeats again and again like a mantra. That's tapping into the power of Jesus. But we've got to come to him. The biggest problem I think we face is that just like Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the garden, they were filled with shame and they went and hid from God. And if you're like me, whenever, whenever I feel ashamed or like I've let God down, I just want to hide. The last thing I want to do is to come to him. But he invites us to come. Let me share with you some powerful verses that will help you when you need to come to him. First of all, if you've sinned, listen to this verse. You, O Lord, are a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. If you're broken, listen to this. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. If you feel unworthy, the Lord is good his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. If you're afraid that God will reject you, listen to this. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. And this one is my favorite. When you haven't been faithful to God, 2 Timothy says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Friends, when we are faithless, when we blow it, when, when, when we sin, when we act as though we have no faith, when we're faithless, God remains faithful to you. He will not reject you. He will not condemn you. He will not push you away. I want to pray for you today that you will experience transformation.
that you will experience healing. And I want to end with this story. We have a young lady who is a part of Connect Church, and and, uh, Chris and I have been a part of her life and her transformation and and her Christian journey. And uh, when I was getting ready with this message, I I wanted her to share her story with all of you, but it's deeply personal, and I, I thought it might be too difficult for her to tell her own story. So I asked her if she would write it down. And, and I want to read this to you. She writes this. This is my story of how God has made all things new. It was 2011. I remember the night so clearly. I had received a phone call that a friend of mine had died in a car accident. So I did what I knew how to do. I drank the pain away. The next thing I know, I was going down a dirt road in a place completely unfamiliar to me in a car I didn't recognize. And as I looked beside me, I saw a man I had never met. Panic began to set in as I thought about what could happen next, but I kept quiet. We arrived in a house completely secluded in the woods, and as I walked in, I saw my friends, and I thought it will all be okay. I found the nearest bed, that was completely empty, and I quickly fell asleep. I just wanted to forget that that day had ever happened, that my friend had died. I suddenly woke up to an excruciating pain that I had never experienced before, and as I opened my eyes, I saw the same man who was in the car with me. I yelled to him, get off, I'm not going to do this, but it only made him angry and more violent. I had become his rag doll, and there was no strength in my body to run away. All I could think of was that I knew at that very moment a man who I didn't even know was taking away the one thing that was good about me that I could give to my future husband. After everything I had done and all the mistakes I had made, my virginity was the one thing I kept safe to give to my husband. I thought, I have nothing good left in me. I was used up and trashed to be thrown away. I just wanted to be rescued, but I had no idea why God would ever meet me in a place like that. How could God rescue me when I had made such a stupid mistake? But that's exactly what he did. I didn't know what to do, so I cried out to him and said, God, if you're here, please give me a way out, even though I don't deserve it. And the very next moment, this man threw me to the floor, and I realized that he wasn't going to pick me up again. It was my escape. I grabbed my belongings, and I ran. I knew I had to get out as fast as I could, but I had no idea where I was. It was around 2 a.m., and so I frantically called home. When I heard my mom's voice on the phone, immediately guilt and shame swept over me because I realized what I had done. I suddenly was imprisoned by the lies of the enemy that would weigh on my shoulders for months to come. You are dirty. No man is ever going to want you. You are such a disappointment. You are a worthless failure. Even though I felt like driving my car over a cliff and making it all disappear, I knew I had to get home, and that night, by the grace of God, I found my way home and into my bed. 
I knew the coming days would be difficult once the alcohol wore off, and I realized that it wasn't a dream. I didn't want to believe the truth, so I lied to my parents. I lied to my friends. I pretended that I was okay and that it was just something that happened. That wasn't me. It wasn't what I wanted. But how could anyone believe me after all of the mistakes I'd made? The guilt and the shame that I felt was so heavy, it consumed my life. And the same lies I believed on that night were the same lies that went around and around in my head day after day. Finally, I couldn't take it anymore. I tried running away. It didn't work. I tried dealing with it on my own. It didn't work. I had to bring this lie into the light. I shared with some friends. This was in the context of a small group. I shared with some friends and we wept together and grieved over the things I felt I had lost within myself. And they gathered around me and prayed and one by one they laid hands on me and prayed that God would physically restore what had been ruined so that I would know that he has healed me and made me new. After that night, I began the journey of walking towards freedom in my life. It did not happen overnight. It was painful and a joyful process all in one. I believed that God was healing me, and yet there was still such a deep sadness that I felt when I thought that I will never be able to give myself purely to my husband someday. I didn't expect that God could ever take away the shame that came with that, but still I prayed and believed that somehow, some way, he would make me new. It just so happened that last summer in 2014, three years after that night, I went to the doctor for a general checkup. The doctor suggested I have a pap smear because I had never had one before. Immediately the fear came over me and I knew I would be reminded of that awful night as soon as the doctor saw that I was not a virgin. I knew she would ask questions and I knew that the, 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 my heart would be ripped open once again. She asked me if I had been sexually active, and I told her the truth of what had happened, that it was my one and only time. Concerned and shocked at my openness, she began the pap smear. The shame and guilt rushed over me again like a raging waterfall. Suddenly, the doctor looked up at me and asked me if I'm sure that I'm not a virgin. I tell her, yes, I'm sure. I'm not making it up. And she looks at me with complete confusion, and she says, I don't know what happened that night, but as far as I can see, you are a virgin. You have no marks, no tears, nothing. I ask her if she is sure, and she looks at me with the most gentle eyes, and she says, I'm not saying that you are lying, but there is nothing that would make me believe that you have had sex before. You are completely clean. That precious doctor didn't even know it, but that day God was using her to speak the words I had been waiting for for the last three years. God has truly made me new. He washed away my guilt and shame. He has set me free, and I will never be the same. Friends, I want you to know this is what Jesus does. And if you need Jesus to heal you of guilt, of shame, of brokenness, whatever it is, Jesus will heal you too if you will just come to him. Will you come to him today?
He's waiting for you with open arms. Would you put your things aside and, and stand with me? When we started this message series, I talked to our prayer team and I asked them to be available each week for people who needed prayer ministry. And I have not been surprised that each Sunday when we've come to our prayer team that nobody has come forward for prayer. Because it's pretty tough when we're talking about this sex stuff to come forward and ask somebody to agree with you in prayer. But today I want, I, I want to offer that invitation one more time and our prayer team is going to come to the front. Any of you that are, are willing to pray with people, if you'd come and find a place. And I want to say to this to you, I, I want to say this to you today. Don't miss this opportunity to receive the healing of Jesus. This story that I just read to you is not fiction. This really happened. But it happened because this young woman was willing to reach out and ask for prayer. You know what happens? When, when we pray together, something miraculous happens that doesn't happen when we just pray by ourselves. I, I don't completely understand why. I just know that it's true. Jesus heals, and he changes people. He transforms people through the ministry of prayer. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't let shame keep you standing where you are. Don't let embarrassment or the fear of what other people will think keep you sitting in your seat today. If you need Jesus to heal you and touch you, as I begin to pray, please move out of your place and come and receive prayer. I want you to know this is a place where, where people don't condemn. We don't condemn one another. There's no shame here. This is a place of healing. So if you're ready to receive what Jesus has for you, when I start praying, would you move, come to one of these people, and let them begin to minister to you in prayer? Everybody close your eyes, bow your heads. Unless you're moving, you'll want your eyes for movement. But let's begin to pray, okay? Some of you are already moving. Come on. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you so desperately today. We need you, Jesus. And in this quiet place today, Lord, as, as people are moving to the front, I want to ask you, Jesus, to come and touch us. Jesus, I want to ask you to come and heal us. Jesus, we are weighed down with the guilt of our failures. We're, we're weighed down with the shame of what we've done. Some of us, it's, it's been kept in secrecy and complete darkness. And Jesus, it's time for us to bring it into the light. And today as we reach out to you, we just want to ask you, Jesus, to wash us clean. We want to ask you, Jesus, to forgive us of our sins. We want to ask you, Jesus, to restore the brokenness. We want to ask you, Jesus, to restore the purity, the innocence, all of those things, Lord, that have been taken from us or that we have given away. Jesus, 
We're asking you to bring restoration. And then Jesus, will you begin to transform us from the inside out? I want to pray, Jesus, that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit, that all of the power that raised Jesus from the dead will come into us to empower us, Lord, to turn away from sin and to walk straight into obedience of following you with our whole heart, loving you, God, with this undivided heart that isn't chasing after other loves, but we're just loving you fully. And Jesus, we thank you today for the healing that you're bringing. Would you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed? And if you know this song, with with your eyes closed, would you just sing it very quietly with us? Okay. Jesus speaks to me in visions, and I just saw Jesus coming to many of you and giving you, all of you guys have chains on your feet, ball and chain type thing, and Jesus is giving you a key, and each of you guys took the key, but you weren't willing to put it in and unleash yourself. So a lot of us, the key is forgiveness. We can go through forgiveness, but there's healing that needs to be done. Mm. That's representing you taking that key and saying, Lord, heal me. So many of you have gone through forgiveness and stuff that has happened to you or you have done, but you haven't allowed Jesus to heal you. Mm. So please take the opportunity to come up to any of us or just allow Jesus to heal you. Mm. He can do it. He's in here. Amen. Perfect, Desiree. Mm. We're going to be closing the service in just a moment in prayer. But what I feel needs to be done, and uh, Desiree kind of touched it, the healing part. Part of that healing comes not only by the act of your faith, but by the act of the faith of the people of God, the church. Yes. And so this morning in closing this service, and God has been moving here, I've watched some of your faces, and I know God is speaking God is touching and ministering. So what I want you to do, I want us to join hands in each row across the aisles. If you're uh, close to an aisle, just move over so you can grab somebody's hand in the row next to you. And let's just hold hands. We're going to agree in prayer for those that have needs this morning that there's going to be a flow of God's Holy Spirit flowing across this entire congregation. Hallelujah. Maybe you've never done this in a service before, but that's okay. Uh, We often in walking with God find new things and new ways of expressing our faith and our love to one another. So let's do that. And I want each one of you to pray for the people in your role that the Holy Spirit would flow through you to the next person, to the next person, to the next person. That God, if there's anything in these lives that need healing, that just need a special touch, just pray for them and join me, would you? And if you want to raise your voice with mine, that's okay. God, you know, the one thing about God is, is that 
you know, if we try to talk to about three, four people at the same time, it's confusion. But when three or four people talk to, to God, that's power. That's power. So let's do that this morning, okay? Let's begin to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just raise your voice and say it out loud if you can, if you feel comfortable. Lord, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your presence and your anointing upon this service today. I thank you for what you're doing in hearts. I thank you, Lord, the work that has started is going to continue to grow and develop and until that day. Lord, you never stop ministering to us. You never stop loving us. You never stop bringing healing to us. So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, that strong name of Jesus, that name above every name, Lord, that even demons have to bow before that name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right now, let every heart that is reaching out and is praying will feel the sense of the flow of your spirit along these lines where held, hands are being held, Lord. In Jesus' name is a sign of our unity to pray one for another, to believe for miracles one for another. God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the story uh, Russ read this morning. Lord, the power of God. Lord, the miracle working of God to heal this lady in the name of Jesus. Do the same thing across this congregation this morning. Lord, some were maybe even afraid to come forward or to admit, but God, whatever it is, as they open their hearts right now in this closing time of prayer, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, be released in this place. Come, come with the very resurrection power of Jesus into this place, into these lives and hearts. Thank you, Lord. All of us need you. Lord, all of us need you. Have your way, Lord. Make this a great week because we're going to be walking with God. And God's power is going to be innocent upon us. In Jesus' name, I pray and give you the praise. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God Amen. bless you as you go. Thank you, Harv. Don't go just yet. Don't go just yet. Uh, why don't you have a seat? Uh, every week in this message series, I've given you homework, and today's is just real simple. I just want to ask you to read two verses this week, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 or 2. Today, I, I've shared with you how to be transformed, and, and it's, it's the power of God in you that's going to transform you. But next week, we're going to see from Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we can partner with God to experience transformation. And it's going to be a great launch of our new message series. So I hope you'll be here. But, but this week, read those two verses. Uh, every day this week would be powerful. And let God begin to change you by transforming the way you think.